0: Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat, next the last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? Um, you are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto.
1: And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk-takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget.
0: Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success.
1: Hello, caviar dreamers.
0: How are you today? We are checking in because we have a lot to talk about we do have a lot to talk about. Everyone's uh, taking care of their health, worrying about what they're eating, worrying about what they're drinking. Someone's worry much. about what they're
1: eating. Today. But you know what's going to be happening? A trend for the future, minus my nose is running. Not cocaine, just so you know. Um, telehealth. Telehealth is going to be a very big thing. Mark my words. And Natalie Stevens, Dr. Natalie Stevens, who we have on today, who's and she's a
0: director in OBGYN at yes. Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City, and she has had a private practice on the Upper East Side in the city for over 12 years. Yes,
1: she's great, and we're going to be talking about telehealth. We're going to be talking everything JJ. I know some of our listeners and followers do not have vaginas, but your friends have vaginas, and you know someone who has a vagina, and you came out of a vagina. So it's very yes. <laughs> interesting. Someone came out of a vagina... Or a stomach or whatever Mm. it is. But you came out of a female. So bottom line is... You better tune in. You better tune in because it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, And we have on Dolores Catania, a surprise guest, my girl Dolores, because she is a vagina Mm. and she wants to know more about telehealth. And she is very medically inclined. She is not a doctor, but she plays one on TV.
0: (laughs) So let's get all our peeps in. Let's get everybody in here. Yes.
1: There we Yay! go. Oh, you look great, Dolores. Well, thank you for coming, Dolores. Okay, here we have Thank
2: you for having me. I miss you very much. I
1: miss, I miss you, you terribly. I was just saying, Dr. Natalie Stevens, thanks for coming. I, I did a formal announcement on you, and we're going to talk everything telehealth and everything vaginas. Since we all have vaginas, our listeners and followers all have vaginas, and if they don't have vagina, they came out of a vagina. So it's very important. Oh, good for everyone to be we on to We all topic.
2: have something in common. Yes, and Dolores, so she's not a
1: doctor, she plays one on TV. So <laughs> okay, so Dr. Stevens, tell us, um, first of all, you're the director of Atlantic Hill, tell us everything, all your accomplishments, because it's very impressive. So you have your own private practice on the Upper East Side.
3: Yes, so I have my own practice and then um, I'm the director of patient safety for the department of OBGYN at Lenox Hill Hospital. And then I'm a clinical associate professor at Hofstra University at Northwell as well. So a few different hats, um, but it keeps me busy.
2: Yes. Do you so still- then you could definitely answer my questions. Yes,
3: go ahead, Dolores.
2: <laughs> I'll wait. I'm, I'm, they're good ones. I'll wait till the end. Okay, do you still deliver babies?
3: No. So I delivered babies um, in my practice for 10 years. And then after 10 years, transitioned into um, back to a GYN only practice so that I could spend more one-on-one time with my patients and um, a little time with my family as well.
1: I know. That's so so important Mm -hmm. because, listen, there's a, you know what, women need so much help, you know, GYN, I needed a good GYN after I had my child. I definitely um, did. I just want to also thank you. You don't realize, Dorothy called you, you helped Marlene, my housekeeper, because she had come to work and her uterus was basically falling out of her um, <laughs> vagina when she came yeah. to work one day and she wanted me to feel her panties. It was like a disaster. <laughs> oh
2: her- my God. Yes. The things that people ask you to do, Margaret, you have popped a pimple <laughs> on your friend's ass. I know. You're feeling <laughs> Marlene. A lot of stuff. Uterus hanging out of her vagina. And the, people don't ask me to do these things. I, <laughs> I guess I feel like, like I'm people comfortable dress- doing
1: it. But it was, you were very gracious mm-hmm. and you referred her to an amazing doctor and you basically Good. saved Marlene's life because she was mm-hmm. in horrible pain. So I'm very grateful. So thank you. And she's doing great.
2: And I'm so diagnosed. glad she's doing well.
1: Yeah, she had a Perfect. hysterectomy and, and she has a new vagina and, she, and she's thrilled. But I, I, know, I know we're talking today mm-hmm. because... Tell, telehealth is going mm-hmm. to be the wave of the future. So, do you think gyn and telehealth is going to be? Tell us what you think is going to be happening there.
3: So, when it first I first came up with it, I didn't think this was going to be a go. You know, I mean, who thinks you're going to do a gynecologic exam on telemedicine? But it's actually been amazing. I've had such a great experience, and there are so many things that can be done over the phone. And one of the first things you learn as a medical student is that 90% of the exam is actually the patient history. So, you know, when I'm in the room with a patient, I typically know what's going on before I even do an exam. The exam's just to confirm it. So a lot of things can be handled without having them come into the office. And it's a good screening process because people don't want to be out right now. If you can help it, better to stay home. I am seeing a few patients in the office if there's something where I feel like we need to do an exam, but the majority of it can be handled over the
1: phone. Oh, I, I absolutely love that. Yeah, because it's like, I always feel like I have vagina issues. Dolores, talk about yours.
2: I, I don't, usually, I've never had a yeast infection. I, I mean, I know that you have these things, these issues, <laughs> Margaret, but I don't know why, I mean, listen, I'm a different breed, Margaret. I don't know. I, I could probably lick the subway right now. I wouldn't get COVID. I, it's a lot of things. I'm just like not temperamental like that. My For some reason, it's just, I'm not, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm glad. Although I would like a new vagina, I could use a prettier one if that's the case. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say I have the prettiest. I don't think they're pretty at all, to tell you the truth. But my question will be later on, I'm 50, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've had a blade. Uh, this is one thing I will tell you. I've always had heavy periods. And after I had an ablation, which I've been begging Margaret to do for many years. Because so I now, bleed,
1: like Natalie, we have discussed that. Like a stuffed
2: like I have chased her me forward, all the time. chasing her with a towel. And I mean, I think that, um, and plus I was anemic. So the ablation really saved me in so many ways. I do not miss getting my period at all, but, um, I would like a new vagina and you know, my boyfriend who's a perinatologist is like, Oh, you'll have lymphatic drainage problems. You'll have all issues. Now, how do you feel about that? because I'm turning 50 and everything's gonna be new. I'm
3: turning back the miles. So there's a lot of different things that you can do and a whole spectrum on how you can treat the changes that happen as your estrogen level goes down, which is what happens as you get close to 50 and beyond. And then when you stop having periods, the longer you go from that last period, the lower the estrogen is, the thinner the tissue is. So we need to increase the collagen formation. We need to increase the blood flow. And, you know, there's things like hyaluronic acid, like you would use on your face. Yeah. Can be used to help the vaginal tissue. Or you can do these um, laser treatments. I do radio frequency in the office, which is amazing. And then Mm. the, the most extreme would be doing the surgery. And there are some complications that can come from the surgeries. But there are a lot of people who get benefit from that as well. So we have a lot of options because some people can't use the hormones, you know, women who've had cancer or other issues, it's not even an option, but now we have the hyaluronic acid that we can use instead, which is a nice non-hormonal treatment, but not everybody wants to use something vaginally every night because it can be messy and, you know, it gives you discharge and, you know, it's not the most fun thing to do. So, you know, there's some of the other treatments as well.
2: That's the first I've heard. Hyaluronic acid. Yeah,
3: believe it or not, oh. treats the wrinkles on your face, treats the wrinkles in your vagina. Oh, I love oh. that! I
1: love that, Doctor <clears throat> Doctor Stevens. Um, how do you feel about the estrogen replacement situation? Because I thought I was menopausal. I didn't get my period for four months, and then it was. Um, and then I got my period. Now I'm getting it every month again. I was so excited. I was like, "Thank God, I'm through this." I had minimal. I had hot flashes for a few months. And then it was like over. And then I was like, thank God. And then all of a sudden I got my period. Now I'm getting it every month again, like clockwork. Mm-hmm. So do you, what do you, I mean, do you do a test for hormones? What do you, what do you do there?
3: So with, um, as you get closer to menopause, you can't have a lot of changes mm-hmm. and hormones definitely have a role. And some people definitely need hormones, but there are a lot of things that should be addressed. So as you get closer to that last period, if you ever start having heavy frequent, or prolonged bleeding, these are warning signs, and these are reasons why you should get into your gynecologist and be seen. Once we figure out that the blood tests are okay, that the the lining of the uterus looks okay, and everything else is fine, then there are a lot of options, and it's really tailoring it to the individual and finding what's bothering you and how can we fix it, and it may not be the hormones. It might be something else that's bothering you with the transition. But sometimes it is the hormones, and really it's finding if it's safe for you to use it and which type of hormone you need.
1: Yes, because it's like, listen, no one wants blood clots, and you get nervous and breast cancer and things like that, which is, I also, Dolores, Mm. what you know, I get UTIs very easily. I have a history Mm -hmm. of UTIs since I'm a young woman. Um, You know, I was on antibiotics prophylactically. You you know, women, if you're having sex, I do everything you're supposed to do, I wipe from front to back. I pee after I have sex. I I do everything possible. I like to think, you know, I'm pretty clean. I I, I do everything possible. But that's something you could diagnose over the phone, obviously, like telehealth or the Zoom, Mm -hmm. whatever we're gonna do. I mean, what do you tell somebody who has chronic UTIs?
3: So it really depends on their life Um, their age and life and where they're at. So for somebody who's around the menopausal transition, one of the main things that causes those urinary tract infections is a thin tissue. So actually that can be a low estrogen level inside the vagina causing the tissue to be thinner and more prone to getting these infections. Um, Some women who um, are younger, they're more prone to overgrowth of bacteria inside the vagina. And that bacterial infection or bacterial vaginosis can increase your risk for getting urinary tract infections. So it may not be hygiene, it may not be something that you're exposing, it might be an underlying condition that needs to be corrected in order to decrease your risks.
1: Yeah. How do you how do you keep that bacteria down? I feel like cause I've had it my whole life. I don't want anyone to well, think it's
3: bad bacteria.
2: I feel like a bit maybe I'm not a doctor, but I date enough of them. So I'll tell you, Margaret, that I think that your the amount of antibiotics you've been on has probably killed a lot of your normal flora, which has been causing maybe that could be a problem, right,
1: doc? I have taken a lot of antibiotics. Yes. I am a little neurotic. Yeah.
3: And it, it can disrupt your flora. And sometimes women actually overclean. You get rid of the good bacteria that should be there protecting the area, and it gets rid of a protective film, a protective layer. And so you want to be careful with not using antibacterial soap around the vagina because that can actually get rid of some of the good bacteria that you need. You don't want to overwash. And actually some of the products that are um, advertised as feminine hygiene products can be very harsh. They may contain alcohols or perfumes or dyes. And these things can make it more irritating and actually cause little micro cracks in the skin that increase the chance of having the bacteria.
0: Lexi has some questions. She's a new mom. Okay, so- Oh, congratulations. Thank you. My son is 18 months old, and Uh I had had a very easy delivery. Margaret was there holding one of my legs. I was. She was (laughs) much better than my husband. I shut him out like it was a spin class. It was great. But since then, every time I sneeze, laugh, or cough, which I had Mm -hmm. a cough recently, I was not concerned I had COVID, but my vagina was like Splash Mountain. I literally- Oh, you poor All the time. (laughs) It's so embarrassing, my husband is making fun of me. Like I sneeze and I pee, I laugh and I pee. It's very non-conducive to regular life. What can I do?
3: So again, we've got lots of treatment options for you and it really just depends on sort of what your life plans are. So if you're planning on having another vaginal delivery in the next year, then obviously you don't wanna go a surgical route or something that's more extreme. You want something that's going to help you over the next year. You have your next baby and then, you know, then we do something a little bit more permanent when you're done. So for the short term, the first thing is Kegel exercises. And the way you do a Kegel exercise is if you're in the bathroom urinating and your little one comes to open the door or your husband or somebody, you know, you want to stop peeing midstream.
2: There's no privacy when you have kids. You know that. (laughs) I know there's not. I
3: know there's not. That's why I changed my story to your husband. to open the door, and you want to stop peeing midstream. The way that you do that when you're not urinating, you want to contract that muscle, hold it for as long as you can, and do it for 30 times throughout the day. That's going to strengthen the pelvic floor, and it actually lifts up the angle of the bladder. I even what happens I is uh, you're not emptying your bladder all the way, and then you get up, and the angle comes down. You cough, it lifts that angle up, and the urine comes out. So you might notice that you sit down, go to the bathroom, you stand up, and you have to go again because the yeah. bladder angle changes. But if you strengthen that muscle supporting the bladder by doing your Kegel exercises, that can help. Give you about 30% improvement. That's 30%. pretty good, 30%. Yeah, it is. You can Next, also do there's this thing you could buy, therapy. you put
2: it between your legs. It's, I saw it in CVS,
0: a so like uh, little Kegel thing. <laughs>
3: perfect, perfect. Google Whatever. it. I need yep.
0: to Google that.
3: Um and then you know, the same as we were talking about for perimenopause, you can do the radiotherapy. You can do that for um for the incontinence after childbirth as well, because it thickens up that tissue, makes it stronger, increases the blood flow and oxygenation. So not everything has to be surgically corrected, but that would be an option if it's if nothing else works.
2: How how many um how many sessions of that do you need? Didn't big didn't uh, March Sr. go for that? I think think my mother did. She did some kind of laser she had to
1: do three times. No, it was the Mona Mm -hmm. Lisa Lisa thing. Is
3: that what that is? So the Mona Lisa is one of the options. That one's based on a a carbon dioxide laser. Um, The one that I use is radio frequency. The difference between the two as far as who it's good for is that Mona Lisa is really good for menopausal. It's good for that thin tissue. The one that I have, the radio frequency is good both for menopausal tissue, but also for premenopausal tissue for strengthening up the muscles in the pelvic floor. So it helps with urinary symptoms. It helps with um, satisfaction during intercourse, that sort of thing. Oh, so it no, helps it your orgasm. Happen. It can. It makes everything a little tighter, a little bit more blood flow to the area. So yes. Does it Do keep- you believe
2: in that shot, doc? That, uh, what is it? The uh, G-spot G <laughs> sh- shot. It's a shot. They take your plasma, they spin it, and then they give you an injection. In your People say that a G-spot doesn't exist. I don't know.
3: I'm okay with everything. So, so I don't have any experience with that. I can't say yes. You or... know
2: what I'm talking about, I right? know what you're talking about, okay. yes. I'm
3: familiar with it. I just don't have enough background on it to say whether it's good or not.
2: But,
1: um, but does the, does the- Margaret's um, going to try it out for us. I'm going to try. Yeah. No, does the laser that you use, does that uh, help with the, uh, juiciness?
3: The, yes. The it will help with lubrication. It helps increase the blood flow in the circle.
2: <laughs> juiciness yeah, is the, the new word for lubrication, Doc. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: you doctor.
1: Doctor. Like, well, but you know, lubrication just sounds so formal. <laughs> your juiciness sounds so much more youthful youthful yes yeah, so it definitely will make you more juicy yes how, how do you feel about people bikini waxing i mean is do you feel it's healthier what, what's the point of pubic hair anyway
2: i would never <laughs> bikini wax if you paid me Del- that shit hurts grown <laughs> no way i shave or i'm gonna go get i'm gonna get laser hair
3: Actually, you, I'm not
2: that hairy. I don't. It's the Irish part of me, I guess. You know, I'm not that hairy, hairy either.
1: Personally, I'm not that hairy. But uh, Dr. Stevens, you've so, the hair there for a reason.
3: Like, what's the story? So it's a great question. Um, you know, when people remove all of their hair, we do see more things. Like maybe some more infections. Some women are more prone to get superficial cysts, or um, almost maybe that's why you're getting all not. those
2: in, about those. Uh, Urinary tract infection. I've gotten now, them right? since I'm very young, Dolores. Since yeah, I yeah, and they really used to pain. do Brazilian waxes when we were young. I used to do them in the hair salon when I worked when I was sixteen. I lied about my age.
3: <laughs> in general, most women can do any of these things: the bikini wax, the shaving, um, you know, laser treatment. But some women do need to have one preferentially. If you're starting to get ingrown hairs, laser treatment may be a little bit better. You do want to make sure that if you're getting waxing done, that you're going to a good salon, you want to make sure they don't double dip that, you know, they should have a grade A rating outside the door. Yes. um, You know, as long as it's someplace that they're doing it right, the wax isn't too hot and you're not sensitive, some women do have allergic reactions to it, it's fine. Um, We also see some allergic bad reactions to that Nair product that is the home removal kit. So during COVID, be careful with that. Yes, yes. I feel like I'm just. Scared. Oh,
2: right. People are using these things. We're reverting mm-hmm. back to all these things we used to use right. before things exist. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Can you get so, problems from ingrown hairs? Like, like oh, real, yeah. like obg because I get so many ingrown hairs and I, I don't. Go, like, I don't get any. And I could pick them. and That's a bad. That's a bad. Pick. Oh yeah, definitely
3: don't pick and don't squeeze. Those are the oh, two things that you could possibly do. But you know, if you get recurrent ingrown hairs, you can start get what's called a sebaceous cyst where you have a, a growth that doesn't go away. It's not gonna turn into cancer. It's not dangerous, but it hurts and is problematic. You don't want to ride your Peloton if you've got an ingrown hair in that area that's oh not
2: my growing. God. This is I never thought of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not riding the Peloton doc. I, uh, I, I, Peloton. I'm not a, I don't think you're riding in the in. Peloton group. I, I know all these women they are they have their like lingo for this and stuff. Not for me. <laughs>
1: Let me just tell you, I've had I've had friends that have issues who are very big spinners who've had it's caused them problems. Could that cause you numbness
3: issues? You can definitely you can definitely get a neuralgia or a numbness. Um, a nerve can get damaged by repetitive trauma in the area, so it's important that you're not sitting the whole time. You do have to go back and forth, and if you start to notice a problem, you should be seen for that. Other things we see, you know, very common to get yeast and bacterial infections, vaginal infections. Um, also, you can get something That's called- why I don't work out. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the solution to all problems is not exercise. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, but you can get some abscesses as well. So it's, it's important that if you do start to have a problem, it can be handled on telemedicine.
2: I know. How do you feel about the ablations though, Doc? Like, Women our age, at this point, we're not having children anymore. We're over it. Are you for ablation or uterine ablation or,
3: or not? So, you know, there's a lot of opinions, very strong opinions, one way or the other. In general, it's definitely considered an accepted treatment. It's just very important that if a woman does go for an ablation, that she has her endometrial lining checked first, because heavy bleeding can be a warning sign for uterine cancer or precancer. So it's important that it's checked beforehand because when you're doing an ablation, you're burning that lining of the uterus. And if there are any abnormal cells there, they could be hidden behind the burnt lining. So the concern is that you lose that um, warning sign of he- heavy bleeding. So some doctors are against it because they like to have that warning sign, they wanna be able to pick it up early. With that said, you know definitely it can be a lifesaver for many women when they have the irregular bleeding and the heavy periods. This is one of the things that can definitely stop it. Um, you know, we have newer alternatives now that we didn't have before. Um, like what? A lot of women are actually around the time of menopause, or even most common in their forties, getting a Mirena or a levonorgestrel IUD. It releases progesterone locally to the lining of the uterus, but not through your bloodstream. So your hormones aren't changing. It's not hormone replacement therapy, but it's protecting the lining of your uterus against cancer. And it'll make your periods go away. It's good for five years. That sounds amazing. Yeah, Do you know I've never gosh. been on birth control in my whole
2: entire life?
0: I have taken very it impressive. since I was fourteen. I don't. I get very nervous. I, just, I was
2: always afraid to gain weight.
0: I know. <laughs> I'm i afraid to go crazy. when I was younger, it made me very crazy. So I didn't take it. So I 14. had
1: very bad migraines. So I was on the. I was on the pill for a few years, but mm-hmm. I went off it by the time I was like. 24 because I had very bad migraines. So I was on it a few years only. Yeah.
2: Did it help it
1: out. And then I never went on again because my, I never, I had a baby and then my ex, you know, and then my current, my current husband and my <laughs> last husband is fixed. <laughs> my current and last husband had a vasectomy.
3: So we're, we're good.
1: What do you, how do you feel about birth control pills, doctor? Cause there's
3: so-, so It has changed so much. I remember I was on birth control when I was a teenager And the amount of hormone that was in that pill was ridiculous. And so anybody on that birth control was sort of feeling, definitely feeling the effects, feeling a little bit crazy from it. Birth control now, we've got a lot of low dose pills and there's many options. In general, you should feel as good, if not better, than you normally do on a birth control pill. And if you don't, it's not the right pill for you and and something you should do something different. But in general, most women should feel better on a birth control pill because it's regulating your hormones. It's giving you a constant low dose instead of the fluctuations that we get naturally. So do
2: you suggest somebody that like Margaret who's going through menopause and now getting hot flashes and sometimes her period and sometimes not, do you think that that's something that would work for her?
3: So, you know, birth control pill can definitely help with a lot of those things to be careful with the migraines, though. Um, you know, if you get migraines where you get vision changes associated yes. with it, you should not be using the estrogen. So I've had a lot of success with, there's a new generation of progesterone-only birth control pills. And, you know, it's similar to the mini pill that's used postpartum, but this one has a longer half-life. And I found that a lot of times if you do that continual, it will help with a lot of the side effects. It doesn't help with everything, but as I said, it's really finding the treatment that's best for you in order to help with it. But a lot of times you can help with that bleeding with the hot flashes um, and a lot of the changes that can happen.
2: How do you know if you're going if you're going through menopause? menopause? Let's say um, if you're still getting your period, well, I guess that's, that's the best sign. Now that I've had an ablation, I don't get my period for that reason. How do I know if I'm going through menopause besides the fact that I'm fat, miserable, crying every day, Oh. Lose my hair, <laughs> um, but that could have everything to do with, you know, being stuck in the house for 50 days.
3: Yeah. And a lot of that can be hormonal. Um, a lot of it can have to do with lifestyle changes, sleep change, diet change, exercise change. Everybody's going through that right now. So I'm seeing a lot of people who have perimenopausal symptoms just because their lifestyle has changed so dramatically recently. Um so you
2: feel that it's kicked in the stress has kicked
3: in early menopause of course Well so no I don't I don't think it's necessarily early it. menopause I think it mimics menopause so it may oh. be permanent For example if you go back to what you were doing before we all isolated and you know increase your activity level watch your diet try and decrease your stress level um, you know try and get a good night's sleep then a lot of times that can actually help and these some of these symptoms will go away can fix hot flashes, night sweats, uh, a lot of that. Uh-huh.
1: No. Okay. At what age do you start uh, suggesting that women go for mammograms? Mm-hmm. Do you start them younger these days?
3: So it really depends on your history. We have to balance. We don't want to expose you to radiation necessarily either, because that can come in with its own set of problems. So it's really getting that good patient history, finding out what the family history is. We do a calculation to determine your lifetime risk as well as your five-year risk of breast cancer. For most women, that risk is going to be around 13% for lifetime. And that's the woman that would start at age 40. For somebody who has got an increased risk, we'll probably start sooner. And that's assuming that your breast exams have all been normal. And then- so why?
2: Okay.
1: Go ahead, oh,
3: Delores. Now go, Dick.
2: So. If there's a, there is um, radiation and everything, and I'm not one of those people that say, I don't want to go for an MRI because I, I don't want the radiation, and I don't want to go for a mammogram because of the radiation. But you did mention that there is like, radiation
3: involved. Why would we not do a sonogram instead of a mammogram? So actually, we typically are doing both, both for most women. Um, a lot of women have dense breast tissue and dense tissue will significantly limit the amount of um, sensitivity of a mammogram. So the mammogram can't pick up everything, but it's good for early detection of calcium spots and solid masses. Sonograms are great for picking up cystic or fluid-filled spaces. So really it's using the combination of the two to find, um, make sure that we're getting that full screen. So you can't really replace a mammogram with a sonogram just the same as you can't replace a sonogram with a mammogram, really if you have dense tissue, you should be doing both.
2: So I haven't been for a mammogram and I want to say three years, is that bad? How many we years? to get you in.
1: I'm a year and a half. I think I'm at about, well, it's time for me to go. I went, but I think it's time history, to go. COVID. I went last year, I think mm-hmm. in January.
0: And I didn't even get my first one yet because I don't turn 40 till Christmas. So lucky me, it's the year of the mammogram. But I always go
1: for a, son- a sonogram. Mm-hmm. And they always do it. And, you know, I'm always yeah. in a panic-stricken state. But I don't have a history of breast cancer in my family. Good. My mother, No one in my family has ever had breast cancer.
3: Yeah. And it's almost become the standard now. But to have both that mammogram and breast ultrasound together, the sonogram what mm, um okay yeah which yeah which is very so now what are you telling your patients now
1: do you see that uh, obviously people aren't coming in are you trying to tell everybody do a telehealth visit oh i mean you obviously can't do pap smears over telehealth but are you doing it just for well visit what do you i mean for people who are sick
2: it goes to you, a well visit for the guy well visit I, but tell- I don't want to go at all you, you go there you're already <laughs> sweating in your hands like you you'd still think you smell even though you took a shower, yeah, yeah, it's just so. like not my pleasant visit. I'm not running there, but yeah, so I go when tell. I have to go once a year <laughs>
1: yeah, so tell me so tell me what people are t- you know do people are calling and tell out because they're not feeling well because they have an issue what Tell me the story,
3: how can we so, help you? I have a lot of different things that I'm doing on telemedicine right now. The main ones are going to be irregular periods just for the reason that we talked about. People are changing their lifestyle, their diet, their exercise, their stress level. And that, one of the first things that that can manifest as is irregular or they got an extra period. So that's probably the number one. Um, also, a lot of hot flashes and night sweats because the, the lifestyle change affects that as well. And then I'm getting a lot of um, birth control. Or preconceptual. People either want to start their birth control or stop their birth control. People are making a lot of life decisions right now. They want to know how COVID plays a role with that. And then, you know, I I have a lot of healthcare workers who really, they don't have access to somebody that they've got that relationship with. And maybe I delivered two or three of their children before and we've got that bond or I know them from the hospital. So I am seeing some people with anxiety and people who just need to talk and get set up with the right type of care right now. So it's it's a wonderful opportunity, and it's so good to be able to see everyone because I can see actually how they're doing. Because when you get that face to face, you can't really, you know hide it um, yeah. as well if you need to talk to somebody. Or you know sometimes I see the kids or the pets. Or yeah, oh that's so nice. So it's a good a good experience.
1: Tell me what else the gy people don't probably realize they can go to their gynecologist not just for care for their vagina. What else What else can you be doing?
3: Yeah. So I really do all over women's wellness. So from head to toe. So any, any mental health changes, trying to yeah. give them the lifestyle. Um, I address diet, exercise, you know, to some degree, cardiovascular health, making sure that they're getting their screening, but every woman, I make sure that their milestones are up. Hey, did you have your colonoscopy? Have you had your mammogram? You know, are you wearing your sunscreen and going to the dermatologist? So there's a lot of, it's basically the woman's wellness exam, um, you know, but then there are other issues that can come in too. And sometimes women are coming in and what they come in for is not really what they need to see you for. There might be something else going on that they're concerned about. And that's usually the, oh, by the way, as you're walking up, Um, you know, but it's sometimes it's for a referral. Sometimes it's because they are having problems at home that they need to talk about. Um, and sometimes it's because they're really afraid that they're never going to be able to get pregnant or have children, even though they're not in that stage yet. And they just want to talk about it or have that reassurance. So, you know, it's, it's spending the time and being able to, to find out, but this is one of the great opportunities we have by doing this, this telemedicine communication and, you know, having time to just talk. Oh, that's, that's so nice. It's more
2: personable anyway, right? It really is. I, it really I, is.
1: I really think this is going to be the the way yeah. of the future. Personally, this mm-hmm. telemedicine because everyone's going to be ringing to the doctor just for even a cold, right? I feel like it's just going to be so much easier. You might see patients in the morning and all the afternoon. You might it's quicker. People don't have to come mm-hmm. in, get naked, yeah. get on the scale for you know a quick check in. Like if I'm calling you, Doctor seems the March, I have a UTI. I have this. I have that. You want to call me? You want to know my symptoms? Is your urine cl- you know it's just easier. Mm-hmm. For everybody, and don't you think that's the way of the future with every kind of physician, not just yourself?
3: No, I absolutely do. I think that it's going to really change how we're doing medicine. I think that you know we're learning so much every day, and this is definitely a lesson learned on how well we can help people with with just doing this. And then, you know if we treat it and it's not getting better, then you know, yes, come into the office. We'll see you, make sure that everything's good. But You know, if we can save that, you know, that exposure and save that trip and save you from having to, you know, cancel your meeting at work, even better.
1: What do you think, just question, is a must have for women, you know, of all ages to stay healthy? Like, is there something you should be taking to keep your vagina healthy separately?
3: So I think the most important part is overall wellness. If you're healthy, your vagina is going to be healthy. So it all comes back to being in balance. Now, you know, there's only so much that you can do, of course, but if you're getting, you know, a good night's sleep, if you're getting a healthy diet, you're exercising, you're keeping your internal hormones in balance, and that's going to be the first stage. And then beyond that, you know, you don't want to pay too much attention to your vagina. If you're overwashing, if you're overchecking, that's when you start to come into problems. So you know, I t- like to tell people to treat their vagina like a rose. Be very gentle with it. Don't put anything on it that you wouldn't put on a rose, and you know, just take care of it.
2: Oh, all right, that's a good way to think. You of know, that. there was this thing I was listening to the podcast. Um, call her daddy. I none of you have ever probably heard of it, nor would you okay. even. Okay, what Doc, I'm sure you haven't
0: daddy yet. They're very outrageous and hilarious
2: they're hilarious. And they were talking about this new suppository for your vagina. It's like famali or something. And of course, David has to knock that too. It's like for juiciness, like you were saying, Uh and all different kinds of things for it. And uh, he's like, oh, that'll throw off the pH. So like you were saying, just like, just leave it alone, I guess. Right.
3: Yeah, and you have to be careful. I mean, there are things that are specifically created and tested to make sure that it's not throwing off the pH, and those are what you want to stick with. You don't want to go on Amazon or Google and find something and put it inside your body internally. Let's stick with what's been tested, what we know is safe or just minimal. With that said, you know, I mean, with there's a lot of things that women can use now that they do have in their home. Olive oil is a great lubricants. So if women feel that they're having dryness, which can happen, they can use olive oil or mineral oil, but you want to be careful not to go I on some of the other products. Really.
2: So I want to taste like a salad. I mean salad <laughs> stuff it makes you taste like pineapples. You could get cherry, coconut. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I read about it. Yeah, yeah
3: that it I think you have to be careful with. You definitely don't want to right, have an allergic reaction like down alcohol. there. I like the
0: smell of yeah, coconut. coconut we like. Coconut oil,
3: Stevens.
0: Yeah.
3: yes and women do use coconut oil you just want to you know do a skin test first make sure you don't have any sensitivity before you do something like that
0: Mm, so more natural everything that's natural can we go over the milestones really quick because i am known to miss the doctor and not take good care of myself my water was broken for a whole weekend and i didn't know oh my god lex yeah i had a first and you're
2: married to a nurse
0: I know, we have terrible medicine in England, so we don't like to go to the doctor, so I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine is my way of dealing with my health. So what are the milestones?
3: So for the average risk woman, it's really important that you have that relationship with your gynecologist and they're going in to be seen once a year. You don't need to have a pap smear once a year. If your pap smears are normal, that may be spaced out to every three to five years. Really? But you still need to have your gynecologic exam. You still need to have a vaginal exam check to make sure that there's no signs of lesions, no masses, your ovaries are normal in size, and you need to have that breast exam done. Um, you know, we had talked about um, doing mammograms, but it's also important to have your blood pressure checked, to um, to check your weight, make sure that your, your appropriate body, um, BMI. And then you want to make sure that your cardiovascular health is good. So, checking your blood pressure every year, checking um, your lipids and making sure that your your cholesterol is is in the right range. If that's good, um, that's something that can be spaced out, doesn't have to be screened every year, but um, if you're at elevated risk, should be checked more often. So, you know, colonoscopy at age 50, um, bone density after menopause, depending on your risk factor, as far as what age you start that. So it's really just, you know, coming up with a combination and individual maintenance plan, but then every year, if you're going in for your appointment, it's like, okay, you've got two more years until this is due. You've got one more year until that's due. And having sort of that gatekeeper that's reminding you on, on all of your milestones.
1: Yes. I've got to do, you know, I have to do my colonoscopy. I just turned 53. I haven't done it yet. Oh, bad. Very bad. Very bad. But I don't yeah. have any, I have no blood in my stool though. I'm just making a formal announcement.
2: No, but you Everybody's should go. It's 53. the most preventable form of cancer there is. I know, I know.
3: Um, right doc? Yes, it's very important to do your screening so that if there is anything there or any pre-cancers that it can be picked up in time to prevent an actual cancer from forming and that would be the the goal for preventative medicine.
1: All right. Well, I mean, I love that you are so thorough and so plugged in and I, and I love that you know you're just focusing on women and and not just where it because there are so many doctors that are obgyns and i think that your specialty is just women's health which mm-hmm. is so which is so amazing.
2: Yes, thank yep. you for that. And Wonderful. you've been it's so nice that you've been such an amazing doctor to people that have had babies in the past that they still come back to you just to talk to you or for trust you for a referral and you must have made a lot of nice
3: experiences for people in this field. So
2: kudos mm-hmm. to you. Thank
3: you. Thank you so much. It's an amazing, amazing thing that I do. I'm so grateful every day that I get to be part of women's lives this way and just really, um, you know, really have that special bond.
1: That you've made such a difference. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Nice
2: meeting you. Thank
3: you for
1: having me. It's been such a pleasure. I need people to know where to find you so I can put it on the website and then we can refer them. So where should everybody find you?
3: So uh, my office is on the upper East Side but you can find me online now that's how most people are um drstevensobgyn.com you can also call my office anytime um 212-717-1700 and we'll get you right through.
1: Okay great and on Instagram I know you're probably not a big Instagrammer but you you know so, now that you're going to be doing your telehealth you know your tele- Yes.
3: so it was actually very fortuitous i learned how to do Instagram in January that- <laughs> so Congrats. Oh, very, very good! Um, I actually have two. So, Dr. Natalie Stevens and Natalie underscore Stevens underscore MD. I'm there.
1: Great! Well, Thank you so this much. This is so Thank informative. You. Thank, you, Thank so, you so so much. I look forward to meeting you and seeing you and coming into the office for an exam. And you can keep that prep, because Dorothy speaks so highly of you. She's gonna. Oh, watch. Yes, not a that. And we love Dorothy, but I know what a medical neurotic she is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so. well,
3: thank you so much. It's this is amazing. Only thank
1: medical
0: so, it's everything. Thank so, you. So, yeah, we'll be so seeing much. you soon, doc. Thank you. Thank okay. you thank god for dr nathalie stevens coming on today i know i had a lot of personal vagina issues that i shared with you there
1: i know it's yes and alexia's vagina issues. she has a young vagina my vagina's a little older but i also think it was great about the telehealth yes. and dolores was great she doesn't seem to have any vagina issues though she doesn't even like to go to the fucking doctor because she's a <laughs> so doctor she wouldn't
0: know if she had any issues
1: well she also her boyfriend's a doctor so thank you dolores so yes, she gets to, to, to see one every night so she's fine but I think it's very interesting because she was in an OBGYN and then she decided just to be a GYN to do women's total
0: health, which I love that. I love that. Listen, what about the episode of Sex in the City? Mm-hmm. Well, Charlotte had a depressed vagina. Yes, I she agree. officially had vulvodynia. dinner. Vaginas you're... are very
1: sensitive to how you're feeling, people. Exactly. So if we're stuck home right now, or you're in the house, you could be depressed, you don't feel like yet having sex, or you're you're just not feeling healthy. Or if you're having a UTI, if you're having issues, you don't run it out to the doctor now. So this telehealth is great. You can just call in. She's doing telemedicine. You can look her up. Dr. Natalie Stevens, she gave her phone number. You can follow her on Instagram. Absolutely amazing. Great ideas. I might go in for a little laser. I don't need a lift. I don't need a lift in my cooch. But yeah, I just want to clarify,
0: I don't need mine to be tighter. I just need to stop peeing my pants. Yes, exactly. I'll just get her little diapers. We'll be fine. (laughs) My bite's coming now. But everyone, take care of your health. Even outside of that, telehealth is there to help you. So just because you're stuck home doesn't mean you can't take good care of yourself. It's very important to be as proactive with your health as you are with everything else. Yes, I haven't been, and it bit me right in the um, uterus. Yes,
1: and I'm a total um, hypochondriac, so I love to go to the doctor, so this is like torture for me. <laughs> so for me to have any kind of telehealth is unbelievable. I'll be FaceTiming, calling the doctor. You'll
0: be the number one thing. You'll be taking up everybody's time. I'll
1: be taking up everybody's time. I'll be bending over naked in front of the screen. Only oh, kidding. Um, <laughs> It'll be great. Only once I'm on wax, which yeah, has Tams not been happening now. Over. Yes. Okay. So, okay, Caviar Dreamers, take care. Stay healthy. Love
0: you guys and keep tuning in. Yeah. Don't forget to tune in every Wednesday and Friday now. We'll also video at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget on Instagram and on YouTube at The Real Margaret Joseph at The Life of Mrs. B. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming, Caviar Dreamers.